a gallon of milk, almond milk, by the way, because I'm a little lactose intolerant, and some chocolate syrup. Now, I haven't had a cup of chocolate milk in a long time, so this is really kind of nostalgic for me, right? I used to have it all the time when I was a kid, but I want to have one here with you as a demonstration for my, what I'm going to be teaching on today. So I'm going to pour this milk here, and then I'm going to pour the chocolate syrup into it, and I want you to observe something. What just happened? Come on. The chocolate, which is in there, sank to the bottom, right? Does the milk look any different? No. Doesn't really taste any different either, right? This is a picture of what happens in the life of a Christian. God promises his Holy Spirit as a down payment, almost like an engagement ring, as a seal of our salvation once we're born again. The chocolate represents the Holy Spirit and the milk represents our life. See, all Christians are indwelt. God dwells within every believer. But not all Christians are empowered by the Spirit or walk by the power of the Spirit. Now you may ask, why is that? This is due to either ignorance about the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives or outright disobedience to the ways of God. But when you walk in obedience and allow God to work inside of you, something happens. Something takes place in your life and you start to change and you start to look different and you start to feel different and people look at you and they don't recognize who you are anymore. They know that you're milk, but there's something different about you. And you taste different. What God is trying to do with us, he's trying to tell us that if you allow him to work inside of you, to stir up the Holy Spirit that's already there, to stir up what the gift of God that's already in your heart. If you allow him to do that, then your whole life will change. You know, no matter how hard I try, I can't get this back to the way it was. If I heat it up, it's not going to change back into milk. Why? Because there was a chemical change in the milk itself where the chocolate and the milk fused together and they're inseparable. That is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about a chocolate milk life, which is what each of us needs to live like. See, a chocolate, uh, chocolate milk life is filled of divine appointments. 
of seeing character changed, of people's lives being influenced, of answered prayers, of joy that doesn't necessarily match up to the circumstances around you. A Christian life is impossible to live all on your own. But God provides what we need through his Holy Spirit. And when we put our trust in him and walk in his ways, we'll see great things happen. The title of my talk today is Walk This Way. Walk This Way. I'm grounding my talk in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. Let us read that together as they put that verse on the screen. Those, come on, let's say it all together. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Short verse, jam-packed with information that will help us to grow, which I'll unpack for you in a moment. I want to give you some context of Galatians 5, or the book of Galatians, because the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote it specifically to the Galatian church as a form of encouragement for them to keep the true gospel that he had previously taught them. See, because what happened in his absence was that there were certain leaders that rose up in the Galatian congregation and started to teach something other than what Paul had taught them about the gospel of Christ. And so what they were teaching was that in order to be a real Christian, a true Christian, a Christ follower, they had to observe and practice the Mosaic Law. And the Mosaic Law involved observing festivals, observing, observing certain uh, uh, rituals, observing certain food restrictions, and it even involved circumcision. Say, ouch, man. So these leaders were pushing the church to say, in order for you to be a Christ follower, you need to adhere to what Moses taught as well. But Paul didn't teach that gospel. He taught that there was freedom from the law, that there was freedom from that kind of judgment, that Christ came and fulfilled the law. And so what Paul was saying in response to the Galatians, to the believers that were in Galatia, was the same thing that he was saying to the Romans. And so it's summed up in chapter 5. He gave three pleas to plea with the Christians in Galatia. And he basically appealed to them from three different directions. One was that God the Father called them. God the Son died for them. And God the Holy Spirit indwells them. Those were the three pleas that Paul was describing to the Galatian church when he wrote this letter. 
And the reason why these three persons come into our life is for us to win this battle against the flesh. For us to walk in righteousness and in holiness. But in order for you to win this battle against the flesh, it requires a constant state of crucifixion. What do I mean by that? It means that just as we see in this portion of scripture, 20, verses 24 and 25, which we'll get into right now, we'll learn that there are certain actions that we need to take in order to allow our lives to be changed. Let's go back to verses 24 and 25 of Galatians 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want to stop right there. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. One thing to make clear is that not everyone who believes in Christ belongs to Christ. Did you hear me? You could have a lot of people believe in Christ and even the work of Christ and not belong to Christ. The reason why is that Christ hasn't become everything that they desire. Hasn't become their personal savior. And they haven't allowed the work of the cross to change them. Those who belong to Christ or truly walk with Christ all have this one thing in common. They all have this one thing in common. They've surrendered their whole life to God. Totally to Jesus Christ. As a Christian, you have more in common with somebody that lives in a different part of the world than you do with your neighbor who's not a believer and you lived next to them for 30 years. You might like the same things. You might eat the same foods. They might be a family member that you've grown up with and you have more in common with a stranger who's a believer in Christ than you would with your own family member who doesn't believe in Christ. That's the power of what the Holy Spirit does. In this portion of Galatians, the Apostle Paul outlines three traits of a Spirit-filled Christ follower. Three traits. The first of these traits is that every Christ follower lives a life of dedication. A life of dedication. We see that in verse 24 of the two verses that we're focusing on today. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now let me tell you something. To crucify the flesh, that takes dedication. You don't just decide one moment to say, oh, I'm going to crucify the flesh. That takes dedication. That's you saying, God, I'm laying it all down. Nothing else matters. I don't want anything else. You are everything to me. That's what dedication means. In fact, let me give you the, the, the dictionary definition of dedication. When it's talking about a person, when something is dedicated or someone is dedicated, it means that they're devoted to a task or a purpose. 
They have single-minded loyalty and integrity. When it's talking about a thing, like if I'm going to dedicate this, it means that it's exclusively allocated to, for an intended purpose or service. So whether you consider yourself a person or a thing, it doesn't matter. When you dedicate yourself to God, you're saying, God, I belong to you and for your service alone. I don't serve my purposes anymore. I'm not interested in anything else anymore. I'm interested in your presence. Now remember, it says, you crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That means my hopes and my dreams don't amount to anything because of God. I lay them at God's feet as a sacrifice. Say, God, what I wanted to do, I no longer want to do. What I intended to try to accomplish with my life, I'm leaving it at your altar. I'm leaving it as a sacrifice. But let me tell you, now you say, that's a big price to pay. It is a big price to pay. You don't think Jesus paid a big price for you? It is a big price to pay. But the benefit of doing that, let me tell you, the benefit. The benefit is that God has more for you than you thought you had for yourself. The reward that he has for you and the life that he has for you is much greater and much richer. And you will flourish more if you make the decision to sacrifice your life before God. So it takes a life of dedication. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, if you say, I believe in God, I trusted God and he didn't come through, you only trusted God to meet your agenda. How many of us get disappointed when God doesn't answer prayer the way you think he should have? Let me tell you something. God's agenda is not my agenda unless I submit myself to God's agenda. See, if I align myself with God, then God's agenda becomes my agenda. But if I'm separated from God and my agenda is my agenda, his agenda, his agenda, you know what? My agenda is never going to be met by God because God has bigger plans. And he's not going to bend to what I want to do. I have to align myself with what God wants. Because I'll just grow frustrated as a believer, thinking that I can twist God's arm to do something that he never intends to do for me. How many of, how many of us have been there? I've been there, growing frustrated thinking that I could con God into doing something. See, giving lip service to Jesus Christ as Lord can be easy, but in order to get life service, you must be surrendered totally to Jesus Christ. And that requires surrendering your passions and your desires. Let me see if I could illustrate it this way. You are all familiar with, well, these days we have digital radio and XM radio and all of that stuff. But remember radio, just regular boombox? It used to have two frequencies, an AM and an FM, right? You, you all remember that. That's not too, too long ago. 
Some of you still have AM and FM on your, on your, on your car radio dial, right? AM, if you tune into AM stations, you're never going to hear an FM station, are you? Never. If you tune into an FM station, you're never going to tune into an AM station. Why? They're two different frequencies. I'd like to repurpose those two titles for the purpose of my message. Let's call it AM dial, Adamic Man. Now, Adamic Man refers to Adam who lived by the flesh, who made decisions antithetical to God. God wanted him to do something a certain way. He decided to do things his own way. So that's the AM dial. The FM dial says, stands for forgiven man. If you're dialing into the AM station, your Adamic man, you're never going to be able to hear God. You're never going to be able to tune into what God needs to say to you. Because you're living in an AM lifestyle. In order for you to hear God, you're going to have to turn the dial to an FM station. To your forgiven man. And when you dial into your FM station, then you could start to hear God. The way you conform your flesh to the Spirit of God is by your dedication to live in the Spirit. Living a dedicated life doesn't mean that you live blameless. Are you hearing me? It doesn't mean that you're blameless, but it means that you live for Him who is blameless. Living a dedicated life doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means that you live for Him who is perfect. So, I don't have to come thinking that I have to clean my act up. I could come the way I am and know that I'm forgiven and know that I'm going to hear God and know that God is going to stir things up in my life so that I become more like him. You see, when you live a dedicated life, a life of dedication, God adjusts your life and your lifestyle to be more sacrificial. In essence, you become a living sacrifice. Just like Romans 12, 1 says. You become a living sacrifice because everything that God says to you, you say yes and amen. You go, yes, God, whatever you want. I know this is hard. I know what you're requiring of me is hard, but I will do it anyway. I mentioned that there were three traits of a spirit-filled Christ follower. And the first was dedication. The second is that every spirit-filled believer should live a life of dependency. And we find that in verse 24, 25 of those two verses that we're focusing on. The first portion of that says, since we live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit demonstrates God's initiative to reflect His character through us. Now, you might say, how does, 
How, how do you infer your dependency by living by the Spirit? Well, because, because you dedicated your life to God, right? Because you dedicated your life to God, that means that you've given everything to God. Your whole life is before God. You've crucified your flesh. Now, that doesn't leave anything left because you've given it all to God. And God now is obligated to give you his life. So you live by the life that he lived. If you die for Christ, you live with Christ. And so because you dedicated your life to God, God is now responding that saying, you will live by the Spirit. You will no longer live by your own flesh. You know, in the world of technology, there's a new development called hypersonic sound, HSS. The inventor Eli Norris, better known as Woody, has engineered a sound wave to travel like a laser beam for about 150 yards. This allows sound to be heard by one person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around him. So just imagine this. 150 yards away, he's shooting a beam of sound that only he can hear. No one else around him can hear it. You could be listening to music or specific instructions while standing, those standing next to you can't hear a word or can't hear anything. If you move out of that tightly formed path of this unique sound wave, you will be left unaware of the noise yourself. So this sound wave travels like a laser beam and is very specific of where it needs to be for you to hear it. God's communication with us is very similar to those sound waves. You must be in the right place to hear the Holy Spirit. And when you're there, the message is clear. But if you move away, if you step out of where that path is, where God is speaking, you too will become unaware of the presence of God because you're not where he needs you to be. And the fact that he's even communicating is now silent because you're not where you need to be. See, and so your dedication and your dependency require you to be in the right place at the right time to be able to hear what God is saying. Henry Blackaby says this, Will God ever ask you to do something that you're not able to do? The answer, yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our own our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. So God is saying, in order for you to be on display to the world of who you are and what you've been called to be, you need to be dedicated and you need to be dependent on God. Your dependency on the Spirit of God becomes your life source and not just an occasional 
experience or influence. It's an abiding state of being wherein you're continually made alive. The live, living in the Spirit transforms us because the Spirit of God conforms us. See, the transformation only comes about through conforming. The Spirit affects our affections. The Spirit illuminates our intellect. And the Spirit conforms our conscience. All these aspects of what's happening is what takes place when God starts mixing his Holy Spirit into your life. So I shared two traits, dedication and dependency. Lastly, the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer causes them to have direction. I pull this point out of verse 25, the second half of verse 25, where it says, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. When you walk by the Spirit, your destination is determined by the Spirit. Not your own passions and desires. So if you're chasing your own dream, let me tell you right now, Unless that dream is God's dream for you, you're chasing something that's going to be empty. Now, I'm not saying that your pursuit is wrong, but evaluate it against what God wants and what God has called you to do. All of us have to make those evaluations. We've all been in our cars where we're using the car's GPS or our smart device as a GPS, haven't we? It's great that these uh, apps, whether it's Google Maps or uh, Waze or any of the other wayfinding applications that we use to get us to where we need to go, but I find it amazing that you'd have thousands of people on the road. You're driving thousands of people on the road. All could be using the same app all coming from different destinations, all going to different destinations. And somehow, this app helps them get to where they need to go. And it's usually pretty accurate about the time, isn't it? Let me tell you, God is more powerful than that app. God is saying, let me be your GPS. Let me be your God positioning system. Let me be that thing that directs you, that allows you to follow me. But you, you know what's funny about using the GPS in any of those uh, situations? What happens when you don't follow the rules? It, it tells you rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And it keeps telling you to reroute unless you turn it off. The Holy Spirit does the same thing. You start walking outside of the will of God and the Holy Spirit will say, Reroute, reroute, turn around, do a U-turn, go back the other way. You're going the wrong way until you get so hard in your heart that you turn the Holy Spirit off. 
And then you find yourself in a big mess. And you wonder how you got there. Let me tell you, it's because you didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. You didn't listen to the direction that God was giving you. I love what Max Lucado said. You know, this year, the beginning of the year, they celebrated the 80th anniversary of the premiere of Wizard of Oz in the theaters. 80 years since it was premiered in the 30s. And Max Lucado said this. The Wizard of Oz says, look inside yourself and find self. God says, look inside yourself and find the Holy Spirit. The first will get you to Kansas. The latter will get you to heaven. You take your pick. So where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Kansas or do you want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. Visiting Kansas might be nice, but I don't want to make that my final destination. And so what we're saying here is that a life of dedication, a life of dependency provides direction. And once you have these three things functioning, the result of living a life of dedication, a life of dependency, and a life of direction, it results in the fruit of the Spirit. And we end up at Galatians 5, and 23. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let me clarify something for all of us here. There's only one fruit. It's not multiple fruits. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It means the fruit is love, joy, kindness, forbearance, long-suffering. If somebody is full of love, but they're not long-suffering, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. It has to be all there, or if it's, it's not there at all. Now you say, how is that possible? I've met really patient people in my lifetime. Patient. But it doesn't mean that their patience is the fruit of the Spirit. Because that same patient person could be not loving. Or not long-suffering. So the fruit of the Spirit is one and that only results, the fruit of the Spirit only is a result of somebody that's dedicated to God, that has become dependent on, on the Holy Spirit's guidance, and they have direction from God. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of a life, the culmination of that decision. I close with this story. There was a father and son who learned about a long-lost uncle that they have never met. And they found out kind of where he was, and they went to this town to go look for him. So they go to this small town, and they're looking, and they're asking. They're going to town records. They're going to all these different places, and they're not having any luck finding him. And in their search, they decided to break for lunch. So they go to a cafe. They're sitting outside of this cafe, and they're sitting there enjoying this time with each other and strategizing how they're going to find this uncle. 
somewhere midway point through the, through the meal, the father says, there's my uncle. He points to this man that's walking in the opposite direction, doesn't even see his face. He says, there's my uncle. And his son says, dad, you've never even seen your uncle before. How can you say that that's your uncle? So far off. And his dad says, he walks exactly like my father. Let me ask you a question. Are you walking like your father? Are you walking the way God intended you to walk? That when other people look at you, when other people see you from far off, they see that you walk like your father. They see that you walk with the cadence and the, the anointing of God. That they see God all over you. If you have trouble answering that question, I want to give you an opportunity right now to dedicate your life to God or to rededicate your life to God. See, dedication is a daily act. Every day, we have to crucify ourselves before God. And this is no different for me than it is for you. I get up every morning wanting God's presence. And somewhere along my day, I screw it up. I miss God. I say something or I do something that isn't right. You know, recently, I'll share the story between me and, of something that happened with my wife and I. <clears throat> my wife, it was close of the day, and my wife asked me to do something. And I was, it was a pretty hectic day. I was dealing with a lot of things, and she asked me to do something. And I, my response was this, and I'll, and I'll share it. I said, man, honey, you could be a real pain sometimes. And I walked away. She said, honey, I didn't appreciate that. She was vocal about it. She said, honey, I didn't appreciate that. But I didn't, I didn't respond to that. I was still in my mood. And I walked away. The next day, this is your pastor. I'm one of your pastors here. I'm being honest. The next day, I'm in prayer. Me, I'm going into prayer, seeking God. I go into prayer, and you know what God deals with me? He says, Marco, don't you ever think that you could talk to my daughter like that. Amen. And he nailed me. And I became so grieved. Why? Because that's not the man I want to be. That's not who God called me to be. That's not what I want to grow up to be. That's not what I want to pursue and what I want to follow. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a man that chases after God. I want to be a man that when you look at him, he says, there's God inside of him. 